your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 711 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we got a lot to unpack here from uh, a really disappointing, disheartening, 3-2 overtime loss by the New York Rangers to the Seattle Kraken, uh, a game in which the Rangers just flat out failed Igor Shosturkin. Uh, It looked too often in this game like the Rangers were basically singing in quicksand. They had a disaster of a second period, and Igor Shosturkin deserved a heck of a lot better, saved their bacon more times than we could possibly count. And if I tried to list every time that Igor bailed them out, that would be the entire episode. Uh, What I usually do at the top of every uh, show that we do here is kind of lay out the entire episode, let you guys know what I'm going to get into I don't have time for that today. You know what? There's just too much to say about this game. It's too frustrating of a loss, and there's too many topics that need to be covered here. We're just going to dive right into it, but all I can say is buckle up because you do not want to miss this one. Let's start with overtime, and let's start with this wonderful decision by Gerard Gallant, and I don't want to go too nuts here because I I do like Gerard Gallant. thought he did a heck of a job with his team last season. Obviously, you know, the deep run, the playoffs, and all that good stuff. Not an ideal start this season, but this is one of the most head-scratching, mind-boggling, confusing decisions that I've ever seen him, you know, make since he's become the coach of the New York Rangers. And that, of course, is the decision to go with Jimmy Vesey and Barclay Goodrow just a minute and change into the overtime period. Meanwhile, Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere, who I will admit were not great in this game. I didn't think it was a great night for the kid line. Wasn't really a great night for anybody. Uh, a couple players, you know, Igor Shosturkin was great. Fox was good. Thought Trocek looked good. But for the most part, not a good night for the Rangers. But to go with Jimmy Vesey and Barclay Goodrow instead of guys like Capo Caco, guys like Alexi Lafreniere. Let's think about this because they went with Vesey and Goodrow. Truba was out there as well. It's three on three overtime hockey. There's a ton of open space. You need your most skilled players on the ice. Vesey and Goodrow are not your most skilled players. Now, I will say it was an offensive zone draw, which, by the way, let's actually start there. That makes this decision even more confusing because. You know, if it was a defensive zone draw in the overtime period and you want to put Goodrow and VZ out there to, you know, potentially play defense if the Rangers uh, lose the faceoff, you know, guys that can kind of ward off the attack by the Kraken, you know, VZ and Goodrow are known as good defensive forwards. In that case, I could at least understand the decision by Gallant a little bit more. I still would not agree with it because I don't think it matters where the faceoff is. You need talented, skilled players out there in overtime, guys that can take advantage of the open ice guys that can uh, use their speed to their advantage, and guys that can ultimately put the puck in the net. And I don't think of uh, VZ and Goodrow and even really Truba as guys that, you know, are, are the top choice to do such a thing. But the fact that this was in the offensive zone makes it even worse because, you know, guess who was happiest about the fact that Goodrow and VZ were on the ice here, uh, you know, instead of the Rangers' more talented forwards? Well, that would be the Seattle Kraken and anybody that roots for the Seattle Kraken. And, You know, the Rangers this year, this is another thing that's driving me crazy, is they are now 
one and three in overtime so far this season. On top of that, uh, they lost the only shootout that they had so far this year. So they are one and four in games that go past the 60-minute mark and go into overtime. So clearly, you know, if you're Gerard Glant, the guys you've been going to in overtime, it hasn't been working. You know, whether it's, and I'm not saying you should like bench Panarin, bench Mika, bench Fox, nothing like that uh, once the game gets into overtime. But at what point do Lafreniere and Kaku just get a chance? At what point do they get to sniff the ice when it goes into overtime? The players that they're putting out there, instead of Kako and instead of Lafreniere, it's unacceptable. Apparently, uh, you know, Lafreniere and Kako, they do not get an opportunity before guys like Barclay Goodrow and Jimmy Vesey. And I thought Vesey was actually probably one of the Rangers' better skaters in this game. You know, I, I thought he was out there hustling, did some good work on the penalty kill. Um, and again, that's not saying the, var, the bar very high because the Rangers didn't skate well at all in this game. And Goodrow is a good defensive forward, but this is not an ideal situation to have them on the ice. I, I think you want somebody like Capo Caco out there, uh, somebody who's so great with, you know, possessing the puck and maintaining possession of the puck. I mean, that's the name of the game in overtime. Possession is so important uh, in that spot. And it's getting to the point where, I mean, if Ryan Reeves was dressed for this game, would he have gotten into the overtime before Lafreniere and before Caco? Are we going to put Ryan Carpenter out there next? I mean, what is going on? You know, and something else that I, I think needs to be mentioned here is that Gerard Gallant, before this game, I wouldn't call it a, a call out of the kids or, you know, throwing them under the bus or anything quite like that. But he did have an interesting quote about the kid line. He was asked about them. And again, this is before the game. And this is what Gallant had to say about the kids. When they're playing well, they control the puck real good down low. They've got good speed and good chemistry. But, you know, it's all about putting some pucks in the net. I think they're a good line. They're a solid line, but I expect more from them. I want them to do more. I want them to get more scoring chances. I want them to put more pucks in the net for us. They're all good players, talented players. Okay, Gerard Gallant wants more from the kid line. He wants more from Philip Heedle, who actually was on the ice when the uh, when the Kraken scored the game winner. But Kakowin and Lafreniere did not see the ice the entire overtime period. You want more from these guys? Then give them a chance. And again, I realize this was not a banner night for the kid line. They didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, Kako had a partial breakaway that was set up by Lafreniere. Uh, Jones made a really nice save. I couldn't tell if Jones got a piece of it with his outstretched right skate or if Kako kind of just, you know, shoved the puck into the post. He was trying to squeeze it in there. Couldn't quite do it. Besides that, not a ton of uh, scoring opportunities. But they're not going to really take off if they don't start getting some opportunities. And, you're, you know, you're the Rangers here. You're so badly looking for a spark. You're so badly looking for some secondary scoring. You're so badly looking for guys like Kako and Lafreniere and Hedl. I mean, Hedl's been a little bit better than the other two. But you're looking for all three of those guys to get going. There's a golden opportunity to make that happen here. And I don't care what's happened so far in this game. You cannot tell me that guys like Jimmy Vesey, I mean, I was going to say Truba. You need a defenseman out there, so a little bit of a pass there. But I have a lot to say about Truba being on the ice here. We're going to get to that eventually, too. But you need skilled players on the ice. You can't tell me that Jimmy Vesey has a better chance of making something happen offensively here than Capo Caco does. Give him a chance. Give Kako a chance. If Kako or Lafreniere is out there on the ice and one of them scores, maybe that's kind of the springboard that they need going forward. And how good would the team be feeling to see one of the kids come through in a big clutch spot like that? When you're talking about you want to get these guys going and you expect them to put the puck in the net, well, they never get more than 25 seconds on a power play. Sometimes the entire two minutes go by and they don't even get out there. Kind of hard to do it, you know? And I'm not, I'm not excusing the kid line completely. They need to be better. And maybe had they played better in this game, maybe Gallant would have gone to them. But 
Again, this was a golden opportunity to try to get them going, and Gallant before the game was challenging them. Well, give them an opportunity in the overtime period to have them rise to that challenge. Maybe they win the game for you, and then maybe they're feeling good about themselves, and maybe they go on a heater, you know, throughout this uh, this four-game road trip that the Rangers have coming up here. But, you know, I'm not even done talking about this topic yet. So the, the whole, you know, Goudreau and VZ uh, playing in the overtime period. Let's do a deep dive and just kind of observe everything that happened in the overtime period and the choice of personnel for the New York Rangers from the time that the puck dropped in overtime uh, until, you know, VZ and Goodrow are both on the ice. So the overtime starts, and I'm going to add another caveat here. So let's say that Gallant did not like what he got from Kako and from Lafreniere in this game, and he had, he had his mind made up, you know what, they're not going to play in the overtime, I'm going to go with some other guys. Again, I do not agree with that decision, but even if Gallant was operating under, you know, that premise that Kako and Lafreniere weren't going to play in overtime, he still completely bungled this entire situation in the five-minute overtime period, and here's why. So, you start the overtime, and the Rangers go with Mika, and Kreider, and Fox. Okay, fair enough. You know, Mika and Kreider, they're on your top line. They're guys that you look to. Fox, I mean, we don't even need to discuss that. He's going to be out there to start every overtime period for the New York Rangers, assuming he's healthy. Um, but, you know, they, they go with the, the three of them, and then Miller and Trocek and Panarin jump on the ice in the middle of the play, and that was with about four minutes and 25 seconds remaining. So Kreider, Mika, and Fox only played 35 seconds of the overtime. And I can understand changing lines there in the middle of a play because you don't want somebody to be out there for too long in the overtime. I mean, that's really grueling, really taxing, having to cover that amount of uh, of ice space. So you make the change, and now it's Miller and Trocek and Panarin on the ice. Then there's a play stoppage with 351 left in the overtime. So uh, Miller, Trocek, and Panarin were out there for a grand total of just 34 seconds right after... Mika and Kreider and Fox were out there for just 35 seconds. So you're going to tell me that Miller, Trojek, and Panarin, and again, this is operating under the premise that they are not going to go to Kako, they are not going to go to Lafreniere. You're going to go with Goodrow and VZ and Truba instead of just leaving Miller and Truba and Panarin out there, or perhaps even better, going back to Mika and Kreider and Fox. Why do Truba and VZ and Goodrow have to be on the ice when Mika, Kreider, and Fox have played a grand total of 25 seconds of the overtime period. Was it 25 or th- it was 35? But you get the idea. They were out there for only 35 seconds. They then had a break, you know, when Miller and Trocek and Panarin were out there. And, you know, the break for the short break, you know, during the play stoppage as well. Why does Truba need to be out there? Why does VZ need to be out there? Why does Goodrow need to be out there? You can't tell me that Mika, Kreider, and Fox were not ready to go at that point and were not better options, but hey, you know what? I guess Jacob Trouba is the captain, so we got to put him out there in the overtime period. It's absolutely ridiculous. And to really kind of single out, you know, one specific decision here, I mean, I'm kind of breaking down the whole thing here, and I do think that Mika, Kreider, and Fox should have been back out there instead of, once again, VZ, Goodrow, and Truba. But let me really narrow it down here and uh, call out Gallant for going with Jacob Truba in this spot instead of Adam Fox. How is Adam Fox not back on the ice here? You've got an offensive zone draw. He's been your best player, game in and game out this entire season. This guy's out there bringing it every single night. He's always got his legs. He's always got his head in the game. He's a phenomenal defenseman, one of the absolute best in the league. He might be working on another Norris campaign here. But either way, why is he not out there 
the guy that, that's a point-per-game defenseman, why is he not out there instead of Jacob Truba? And, you know, again, you look at Truba versus Fox, Fox is a heck of a lot faster than Truba, which is also very important in the overtime. There was no reason to go to Jacob Truba here instead of Adam Fox. Adam Fox, this guy on the night, led the Rangers to 25 minutes and 49 seconds of ice time. Uh, he had five minutes and five seconds on the power play. He had three minutes and 43 seconds of ice time while the Rangers were shorthanded. It's the same guy, Adam Fox, who is averaging a career-high 25 minutes and two seconds of ice time per night. He can only play 25 or 35 seconds of overtime before he has to come off the ice, and then he got a break and couldn't go back out there. Of course he could go back out there. You run this guy into the ground every single night. He's constantly on the ice. Why could he not play in the overtime period? Makes no sense. It, it makes no sense why Adam Fox did not get another opportunity there. Uh, you want to score a goal? I don't know how you go out there with an offensive zone faceoff in the overtime period with, you know, Truba and VZ and Goodrow. So yeah, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to relax a little bit here. But I mean, I've been a big Galant supporter. I will continue to be a Galant supporter going forward uh, for the most part. I think. But this was the most questionable or one of the most questionable decisions uh, that we've seen from him pretty much ever since he's been uh, the coach of the New York Rangers. It made absolutely no sense. And of course, you know, the Rangers end up losing this game. Uh, you have a situation where, uh, who was it? It was, I believe, Eberly who powered his way past Panarin up the left side. Yeah, it was Eberly, and then puts a shot at the net. Uh, you know, the rebound goes to the other side and Schultz buries it from the doorstep. Miller had come over to try to help Panarin. And just like that, you lose. And then you see Igor going to the uh, to the bench or to the uh, locker room, as it were. And, you know, he goes ahead and punches his fist on the door. And uh, as soon as it happened, I said, well, that became a gif just pretty much instantly right there. But, yeah, man, uh, Rangers failed Igor Shesterkin in this game. He was phenomenal, made too many uh, ridiculous saves to possibly count. But, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, keep it rolling here, keep talking about some things that happened in this game. But first, just got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, we just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Definitely not going to put this entire loss on Gerard Gallant because obviously the Rangers didn't play well either. They had a, a pretty solid first period. You know, they outshot them, and I thought they spent more time in the attacking zone than in their own zone, uh, did the New York Rangers, but just an absolutely miserable second period. And it goes back to this theme where the Rangers, for the most part this season, just cannot seem to play a complete 60 minutes. They did so on opening night against Tampa. Um, besides that, I mean, you know, you could maybe say the game against the Flyers, even though that went into overtime and, you know, the Rangers just, they, they should have been up by a lot in that time. The, the Flyers got an unreal goaltending performance. Um, maybe the game against Detroit, you know, they, they really turned around the third period, played decent before that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, not playing a complete 60 is, is really becoming a problem for this team. And 
you know, I, I don't know what happened from the first period to the second period. I don't know why the Rangers took their foot off the gas. Guys were forechecking hard in the first period. Felt like there was a sense of urgency, a sense of purpose, a sense of really wanting to kick off this road trip in positive fashion. And then in the second period, uh, they were just awful right from the opening faceoff. I, I don't know how else to say it. And Igor Shesterkin uh, absolutely stood on his head. It is a miracle that the Kraken did not score a goal in the second period. And there is one reason and one reason alone why they did not score that goal. And that is Igor Shesterkin. He, I mean, just a minute into the period, uh, a stretching save, you know, reaching up, uh, really nice glove save there, held on to it. Uh, there was a save a couple of uh, minutes later, maybe about a minute later. Geeky gets, you know, a breakaway opportunity. Uh, Igor stops him there. And then Sprong gets a breakaway opportunity and just an unreal save by Igor Shesterkin. He was moving hard to his right, reached back to his left with his glove, snagged it, and held on to it. And it's funny because, you know, the, the Ranger players, uh, not too long after this save, there was another save. Uh, Igor had a point-blank save on a deflection uh, right after this. And this is all just three and a half minutes into the second period, by the way. So off to just a fantastic start here. But after the save, I want to say it might have been the breakaway save against Sprong. It was one of the, uh, the, the really nice saves that Igor made early in the second period. But they showed the Rangers uh, at the bench. And they're all standing up and tapping their sticks, you know, against the bench. Well, you know what, guys? How about instead of tapping your sticks, step it up and help out your goalie a little bit? Because the Rangers didn't do any of that in this game. They relied on him to keep them in the game, which he did. And unfortunately, uh, you know, this team couldn't pull it out in the overtime period. And we already went over the, the baffling personnel decisions. But again, this is not all on the coaching staff. The Rangers themselves uh, need to play a heck of a lot better, especially during whatever this was in the second period here. Uh, there was a deflection chance. Like I said, the Rangers, uh, they made a, they had a turnover in the neutral zone. Uh, Miller had lifted the puck into the neutral zone. The Kraken picked it back up, went the other way. Uh, deflection chance, another save by Igor. And then right after this, too many men penalty on the New York Rangers. This was due uh, in part to Sammy Blay getting into a shoving match instead of getting off the ice because the Rangers were changing uh, you know, players and Blay was going off for a change, and he got into it with somebody on the Kraken. I want to say it was Yanni Gord, but he, he's shoving him back and forth, and he doesn't get off the ice, and because of that, the Rangers take a too-many-men penalty. So, and you know, I was going to say, actually, that the Rangers had, they ended up with three offensive zone penalties in this game. Technically, it's four, because Sammy Blay was in the offensive zone here. I believe he was the one that ended up serving the too-many-men penalty, and so you've got that as an offensive zone penalty. Uh, other players in this game who took offensive zone penalties were Trocek. You know, Trocek was arguing the call, but Trocek, you know, kind of stuck out his skate and tripped up his guy uh, while the Kraken were trying to go the opposite way. You had Panarin, uh, either a tripping or a hooking, you know, six for one, half a dozen for the other. Uh, but he did that in the third period when the Rangers were trailing by a goal. You had Mika Zibanejad uh, taking an offensive zone penalty as well when the Rangers were, were down by a goal and trying to get this game even. So... Four offensive zone penalties, including one by Mika, one by Panarin, and one by Trocek. Three of the guys that you count on to kind of lead the way for this New York Ranger team. That's absolutely awful. Uh, but this second period, it didn't get any better because, you know, I, Igor made so many awesome saves in this game. I don't even know, like, which ones to focus in on. I already named a couple of them. But like I said, if I make this entire episode about Igor you know, making save after save after save, then that's the only thing that we're going to talk about. So uh, I figure we can pretty much move on, but it was just a disaster of a uh, of a second period for the Rangers, and only Igor's uh, unbelievable play uh, allowed the Rangers to still be in this game and uh, still tied one-to-one going into the third period. So uh, I figure, you know, we'll shift our attention to the third period and a couple of other things, and we will do that in just a second. 
All right, the third period. I will say they were better in the third period than the second period. I mean, how could they not be? The Raiders were better in the first minute of the third period than they were for the entire second period. They, they actually looked good, got a couple of chances. And you know, you're at this point in the game, and you're hoping it can be a, kind of a stolen win on the road. You're hoping you can kind of overcome your mistakes and your lackluster play in the second period. That possibility is obviously still on the table because for everything that the Rangers have done wrong, you're 1-1 hanging into the third period, and it's still anybody's game. And still got a chance to turn this into what could be a pretty nice win. And at least you you know, you win ugly, but you win on the road and you kick off the uh, road style with t- the uh, road trip, rather, with two points. Um, so, you know, Panarin, third period. I mean, there's a bunch more miscues here. Panarin with a bad turnover. Uh, Burkowski picked it up and took a shot. Igor Shosturkin made the save. That happened while the Rangers were down 2-1 to one, with about seven minutes or so to go in the game. Uh, this also, just a minute later led into the Mika Zibanejad offensive zone penalty, the one that I already alluded to. So the Rangers had another uh, power play to kill off. I guess if you're looking for uh, positives on the night, the Kraken were 0 for 4 on the power play. So I guess that's at least something. Um, Igor Shosturkin ends up making a ridiculous point-blank save against Wenberg. So again, he keeps the Rangers in the game, still down by just one in the waning minutes here. Uh, you've got Blay leading Julian Gauthier up the right side. Uh, Gauthier drives hard to the net draws a penalty. So a nice job by Julian Gauthier. He drew two penalties in this game, I believe, uh, despite only getting seven minutes and nine seconds of ice time. So good for Gauthier. And that's kind of where we're at right now. You know, if somebody draws a couple of penalties, then then that's a good night. Um, There wasn't really a whole lot of other positives from this game. Uh, But they do get the game-tying goal. You know, they're they're swarming. Uh, Trocek, or Trocek scores the goal. You have a shot by Adam Fox which must have deflected off of Barclay Goodrow because Goodrow ended up getting a primary assist on this play. It comes to uh, Trocek. It's laying there. He buries it, and he ties the game for the Rangers with uh, you know not a whole lot of time left in the third period, just a minute and 54 seconds to be exact. So a power play goal, which again is the only way that the Rangers can score. Both of their goals in this game happen on the power play. You know, it's funny because I went on Twitter before this game and I kind of just, uh, you know, I proposed a question to uh, the Rangers universe there. I, I asked, you know, outside of uh, the usual suspects, that of course being Kreider, Mika, Panarin, Trocek, Fox, and Igor, who's going to have a big game for the Rangers? Who's going to step up big? And you know, some of you guys said Heedle. Uh, I think somebody said Truba. I said Goodrow. You know, I did the crossover episode with Erica Ayala of Locked on Seattle Kraken. We were doing our picks for the game. Well, guess what? We were all wrong because the Rangers didn't really get much of anything uh, from secondary scoring candidates. There were no secondary goals. They can't score 5v5, uh, over-reliance on the power play, over-reliance on Igor Shesterkin. We were all wrong. If you were looking for somebody outside of the usual suspects for the Rainers to step up and have a big-time game uh, for this team in this game, you got it wrong because nobody else did. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't even know what to say about it. You know, the Rangers, it's just they live and die by those six players, the, the six players that I just mentioned, the, the five guys that can put the puck in the net or pick up assists, and of course their goalie, Igor Shesterkin. And if those guys aren't clicking, you're in a world of trouble because the secondary scoring, I just don't know where it's going to come from right now uh, with this team. And something else, kind of just a casual observation that I've, I've kind of uh, noticed here, the game against the Sharks. That third period was a complete disaster. Uh, they went into it up 2-1, to one and everything just fell apart, and they end up losing in the overtime. The Raiders have not been right since that game. Now, of course, they've won some games since then. They've had some pretty good performances since then. You know, the 8-2 to two win against Detroit certainly comes to mind. But the Raiders just, like I said, they can't play the full 60. They just can't get away from these mental lapses. 
these lackluster shifts every now and then that creep in, just inconsistency. As I mentioned, there's no secondary scoring to speak of. The Rangers have not been right since that debacle of a game against the San Jose Sharks. And that's actually going to be uh, the next game for the New York Rangers. They're going to play the Sharks on uh, Saturday at 10.30 on the road. So uh, hopefully they can get things back on track there. Something else that I got to mention is that the Rangers have to keep riding with Igor Shesterkin. I don't want to see Yaroslav Halak between the pipes uh, for this game against the Sharks. And it's not because Halak has been terrible. Far from it. Like I said, in, in five starts for Halak, one bad game, one okay game, three good games, the Rangers have failed him too. Yaroslav Halak should not be winless through his first five starts based on how he has played. But you got to keep riding with Igor Shesterkin. This guy's the Vesna winner. Uh, he's the backbone of your team. And... You know, the Rangers, they had, they just had three days off, okay? They play on Thursday night, another off day on Friday. There's no reason why Igor cannot and should not be right back out there for the game on Saturday. This Ranger team needs wins, and they need to be able to put their best foot forward. You can't look at the Sharks and just say, like, well, they're not very good. Uh, we should be able to win this one with our backup goalie. No, you got to go out there, and you got to win this game. You know, you got to stop this season from getting away from you here, and the best way to do that, the only way to do that, is to go with the franchise goalie, and that, of course, is Igor Shesterkin. As far as, like, the lineup is concerned, I mean, they went with the same lineup, same line combinations, same defense pairings from this most recent game, which is fine. You know, they, they had won the most recent game, um, but, you know, I'm so desperate right now for just, like, a spark or a shakeup or any reason to get excited that I am like practically dying for Vitaly Krasov to get back into this lineup. And Krasov, by the way, has one assist in six games. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, I wouldn't mind just seeing somebody else get a chance. You know, if, if Krasov is back into the lineup, then maybe he goes back to the Panarin line. Maybe somebody like Julian Gauthier comes out of the lineup. Uh, you could possibly take Carpenter out of the lineup. And that could make some sense, actually, because you would put, presumably, uh, Krasov onto the second line with Panarin, and then Goodrow could slide down to the fourth line and center that line in place of Carpenter. Sammy Blay, I think, could be a candidate for a healthy scratch, but, you know, he hasn't been yet. For, for one reason or another, Sammy Blay is apparently uh, impervious and completely invincible to being a healthy scratch. I'm not really sure why. I mean, I know he hits people. I know he plays physical. Look, I know he's coming off that ACL injury last year, and I do sympathize for him. He was taken out on a dirty play. We all know this. But Sammy Blay is not exactly setting the world on fire for the Rangers this season. I don't think that he should be uh, completely bulletproof when it comes to potentially being a healthy scratch. I'm not sure if he should be the healthy scratch, but I think it's an option that should at least be on the table. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know what else to say, man. This is one of the most frustrating uh, losses for the Rangers because it just didn't have to be this way. They got off to a, a pretty solid start in the first period, and just for whatever reason, they were not ready to go in the second period. This cannot keep happening. And as I mentioned in a recent episode, if you keep having these mental lapses and these bad periods and these mental mistakes and turnovers and just lackluster play, guys that just don't seem to be uh, skating at their best, guys that just don't seem to have their head in the game. After a while, it's not just, you know, a bad stretch. It, it starts to become your identity. It starts to become who you are. And the thing that's so frustrating about this for me, and I'm sure for a lot of you as well, is this just is not Ranger hockey. This is not the team that we watched last season. And yeah, you know, they, they lost some players in free agency. They lost all the rentals that they picked up. But around this time last season, the middle of November, this is basically the team that they had. The only significant player that's gone is Ryan Strom, and he's been replaced by Vincent Trocek, who's been awesome. Or, you know, 
at least relatively speaking, compared to a lot of the other players on the Rangers. Trocek's played well, and I think he is an upgrade on Strom. So there's no reason why they should be struggling like this and why they should be having all these issues that they're having. Uh, we're just not used to seeing this, and, and that's why it's so baffling and so befuddling, and uh, they, they got to figure it out quick because, again, your season can get away from you pretty fast in this league. We're 18 games into the season. We're approaching the quarter point of the season. It's time to get it rolling. No more excuses. Uh, the Rangers have to come out, get a big two points on the road against the Sharks, and take it from there. Look, the way I see it, four-game road trip here, right? This is a disaster start to it, you know, for the most part. I know they got the one point in overtime, but that's a very small consolation prize uh, when you look at how this game went. So the way I see it, and this is not going to be easy because, you know, the Rangers just are not playing well enough to make you think that it's going to be easy. If the Rangers can win two out of the remaining three games on the road trip, then they will go home uh, having won or having gotten five out of a possible eight points in the road trip which is pretty good. It's not spectacular, but that's a solid road trip and a way that maybe you can get your season pointed back in the right direction. And it's not going to be easy, again, especially considering how the Rangers have played recently, but I think we'll all be feeling uh, pretty good if the Rangers can find a way to do that. So it's gut check time for this team. I want to see them get two out of the next three games on the road here. Um, and then that starts with a, a not-so-good Sharks team. I mean, I got the standings up right here. Where are they? Sharks are 6-10-3. and three. So basically, they're 6-13. and 13. They've won less than a third of their games and uh, yeah, it's got to be two points for the Rangers. But yeah, we're going to be back here, talk about whatever happens in that game. I'm, I'm hoping to do a Sunday episode, a special uh, Sunday edition of Locked on New York Rangers since the Rangers play the Sharks on Saturday night at 1030. We shall see, and I will keep you guys posted there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Rangers are they're up against it right now, and let's just keep our fingers crossed that uh, they find their way out of it. So anyway, that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.